2: That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn
1: more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast, online at InThisLeague.com. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh.
2: What's up, friends, and welcome in to more of the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. More than you ever wanted. Did you ever imagine? What would it be like? We're in this league all the time. It's a goddamn nightmare, right? There's so much (laughs) of us. We're doing so much talking. But we are here again for you on more. I actually, I found out a third impression that I do well. So we're going to swallowing on. water. Yeah, but Listen, Oh, okay, everybody, everybody listen to this. Tell me if it's this is gross. Loud. Is that really loud? Did
0: it wasn't that it? bad that time. Of course. Now that oh, we're recording, good. but, but yeah.
2: Bogman Got, says I gulp. The, I have the loudest gulp. Almost a cartoon level. It though. was
0: a cart. It sounded like a cartoon. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. One more time. Let me see. I'm going to put my neck up to it. So here we go. Ugh, <laughs> I hate that. I really do. I don't like it at all. Not a good sound. I'm sorry. It's terrible. All right. So we're going to see how many impressions we can get here, because I think I, I gave you meat wad and then I gave you what was the other one that I do? Oh, Yoshi. I think I do a phenomenal. Yoshi.
0: Same <laughs> voice, but yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. it's Variations. The other one I think I do really well is Voldemort. From I also Potter. do
0: Morgan Freeman. And then I do red from Shawshank Redemption.
2: Okay, <laughs> right, So here's my Voldemort. Harry Potter.
1: Ooh, scary Harry
2: Potter. I think that's a pretty good one. Harry Potter. Ray Ralph Fiennes. I uh yeah, I mean I like
0: Ralph Fiennes, but I gotta be honest, man. I, I'm I'm a weird oh, nerd, and I have never seen Harry Potter in my life. Not really? once. Oh, rewatching? You know, I haven't
2: rewatched. I haven't seen them all either. We're We're watching them with the kids. I know everybody was people. really
0: excited about that game, and other people yep. were really not excited about it. But yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a community or two that was not excited about, it, and they let all the streamers know about it. So, uh, Harry Potter for whoever. <laughs> if it's yes. not for you, cool. If it is. Very cool, ITL. Mm, Hopefully for you, it's Hell Week. It's episode three. Outfield ranks is the episode. When we do a lot of episodes in a short period of time, we get loopy. If you're wondering what in the hell just happened for the last three minutes, oh yeah, yeah, we're doing. By the way, this was supposed to be done yesterday,
0: but the power went out in my house for like four and a half hours. Couldn't get anything done here here's the whole best here's, week here's the
2: best bogman's power goes out and he texts and then he texts in what sounded like one of the saddest most desperate desperation things he goes this is to me and our buddy jesse he goes all my powers out and my phone is on three percent and, and it then died phone like died and you had to live like a poor
0: yeah like, like a caveman uh you know i mean uh, I was literally reading a hardback book with a flashlight. I can't oh. be alone with my own thoughts. What kind so of life is
2: that? Was it also what about the it's like was it, it was 1990? What's was that it cold?
0: No, it's it, it is actually hot in, in Texas right now. It's like 79 degrees outside at 11 o'clock at night for mm. whatever reason. And it was like 80 inside the house. So, uh, yeah, I was sweating, reading a book with a flashlight like it was 1990. And uh, it's just not a great time. So (laughs) I can tell you right now, phones on a hundred percent. So if something happens, I'm going to be watching reels at
2: least. Or or Fogman can finish the episode jumping up on his phone and it'll be through the phone if that happens. So uh, we've got the whole crew of uh, outfielders that you guys can check out, of course, over at in this league.com. If you guys want to check out the Patreon, we'd appreciate it if you do. So trying to set numbies. We want to have, I really, I'm going to be on cloud nine. If we walk into March, not going under 700 with how we've gone. Let's go. Um, come and check it out. Come and check it out. You can get access to the ranks, the prospect ranks, the dynasty ranks, the ADPs, both the Bogman and I's ranks. Get in the me rooms, all the stuff, all the things. Check it out today. Join up in the ITL army. Five or ten bucks is what you can roll with, and you can know that you are, like, legit um, helping Bogman and I and supporting Bogman and I when you do it. So do it today in this And The outfielders we're going to do, We're going to talk about some outside the 50, some guys that we kind of dig, and we'll numerically dig in a little bit more uh, to the top 50 outfielders, which I have mentioned, though I do feel like it's stabilizing a tiny bit. Maybe like, you know, roles are becoming a little bit more defined, and, you know, you're doing a little bit more research, but I did tons and tons of research, and I'm not going to deny that, you know, you get five outfield leagues, you feel the pain of the lack of depth at outfield. You're not going to make
0: you not hate the Yahoo standard of the three outfielders. Uh, I mean, I I, don't hate it.
2: (laughs) I told you this. I'm, I don't like change necessarily, but I'm more open. I think than the people that really don't like change, the people that really don't like anything change in their lives. They'll let you know all about it. Like I'm open to it, but like I play on five outfielder. I like that. I've always played on one catcher. I like that. Every goddamn industry league I play in is two catchers. So I got to deal with it. But I'm also a huge, huge proponent of somehow figuring how to get baseball a little bit more fantasy baseball, more into the mainstream. And I know the purists of like fantasy baseball, they don't want things like they don't care about people coming into the game. But I want people to get excited about fantasy baseball like we do. And that's not happening. I want I want to hear one time a set of athletes that are playing fantasy baseball and the problem is, is when you have like five outfielders in corner and it's like 29 positions and blah, blah, blah. And this and that. And then, oh, by the way, we're taking off average for OBP. Now it's a six one and we're not doing saves. We're doing safe. Hold. It's like overwhelming. And it's, it's really hard for a common fan to get into it. So I'm not against the possibility of a place and like Yahoo thing- or ESPN dropping it to like three outfielders, simplifying it a little bit. Well, I mean, if it makes ranks, the game better.
0: Yeah. So I, and and the, old, the old saying goes, you know, uh, rising tide raises all boats, right? Like, so. You know, if we have more people playing, you're going to have better access. You're going to have, you know, Yahoo's going to take things seriously. Maybe ESPN will start doing uh things besides just point rankings, you know, stuff like that. So uh what else you get? Let's get more people in more money.
2: Uh, well, you want to know what else you get? You get more coverage and you'll get more people being able to do it full time because I can promise you firsthand experience. Bogman and I know that there are places that compare baseball to football and they just don't compare. And look at look at Roto World. They absolutely just trash their fantasy baseball plays. We want more people to be in because then that allows more people to do it full-time, more places are doing it, and more content. And that's kind of what you want. So uh, we turn this all into like, hey, do you like Yahoo's thing? <laughs> I'm just cool with it. Like, I'm, I like my outfield setup in three outfielder, but we play in predominant five outfield stuff. So I do feel like I've stabilized a tiny bit because I have a ton more targets, but I'm not going to deny you get into that outfield four or five. It's still not great. So, you know, we've put a lot of focus in this week of telling you just how bad third base is and it's not fantastic at second base. You know, we've done that first and third you You're golden outfield is in this space where you have to be careful and I do it a lot and I've worked really hard last couple of months to be better about it that I have let outfield get away from me and I don't want to let that happen anymore. It's it's a very very cognizant effort of myself. I think we're finding more deals at it. the bottom too right now. Like yeah.
0: you know and, and things will start to separate more in spring training and guys will win jobs and stuff like that. So things will be more set. It'll be a little less murky at the bottom but yeah, it's not deep. It's uh, it's a rough go in the outfield this year.
2: You know, th- here's a random one. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I was actually over at Royals camp today as we're recording this. And the day before we found out that Drew Waters was someone that was going to be vying for full time work. Drew Waters was originally with the Braves and with the Royals. And uh, he's going to be out like six weeks with an injury. That's going to open up the opportunity for Kyle Isbell. And another one I would throw out opens up maybe an opportunity. For Mel Reyes, who was with the team and working, if we could get Franmil Reyes going again, that's just a sneaky, you know, form of power. If he can make the roster, and they've got a little bit more of an incentive to do it, so those are the things that you're looking for. You're looking for um, any deals at the bottom. You're looking for more stabilized time. You're just, you know, looking for breakouts and everything like that. And is even though I'm like one week into spring training, quote unquote. Technically, Monday was like just the start. Monday, all the guys are going, all the camps are actually running, and we're really getting a feel for what's going on. And we're going to have stuff that's going to change over the next five, six weeks as games go, injuries happen, teams maybe make surprising moves. Here's another one in the outfield. I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I want to tell you about why I think Jordan Walker might have a better shot than he did a couple days ago to win an opening day job. And I think there's a little nugget that's hidden in some camp things that are telling a story that they really might be given this opportunity to Jordan Walker, which makes him even better. But we don't talk about him on this episode because he's a damn third baseman.
0: Did you also see Jordan Alvarez's wrist is still bothering him a little bit? Like that was in the local news here too in Houston. So so I did
2: because uh, I just started up today the uh, Tout Wars. Uh, I had to move my Tout Wars. I'm a little sad about it. I had multiple of the guys. Ariel reached out to me, and I talked with Nick about it, that I'm not in their league, Frank, as well, uh, because I was with all those guys for a couple years, and I'm now not in that league because, you know, like I'm not a jet-flying, limousine-riding, woo, son of a gun, who can just (laughs) pick up and go out to New York, especially when uh, no one will hire you full-time. So I couldn't do that, but luckily the tout masters didn't want to see me go and they put me in the draft and hold, which has got a bunch of great people in it. Uh, I couldn't name you one <laughs> off the top of my head right now, but um, oh, <laughs> you're
0: brain I'm dead defender. That's one after I uh, spring training.
2: Yeah, I am completely brain dead. As we're recording this, I did camp all day. I did the athletic and I did fantasy pros. So my brain is completely shot. But now that we're doing this, now I want to like tell you about the people because that seems mean. Uh, We had, let's think Fred Zinke, I think Matt Williams is there, Matt Thompson, Dan Strafford, our boy Dan, I see Vlad is in here, James Anderson, Eric Cross, Bender, and I can't really tell some of the other people, but here's why I know it got to me at 10 and I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. <laughs> and I took Jordan Alvarez and <laughs> yeah. I, I saw the hand of the wrist thing. I just didn't want to let it push off. Cause this is an OBP league. And I actually I think, also we think we this is like, spots.
0: I also think this is like, look, it's still a little sore and I don't want to do spring training stuff. Like you know what I care I about with him. Bit.
2: Yeah. I care about his knees. I care about his legs and this wasn't, and they Big just boy. said he's a little, yeah. little discomfort. He's going to chill for a bit. I kind of bothered him all year last year. You know, so, that was the game I
0: was it, at, I think, wasn't it? No, it was Julio got hit. in that
2: game. Yeah, That's yeah, you, you hurt Julio. You physically hurt Julio when it happened. But this is an OBP instead of Average League. And I kind of think it's falling to 10. That's a little bit of a deal that I got on him. So, uh, yeah, I was familiar with the news because I took him and he qualified in the outfield. And then I came back around with Devers because we talked about third base. And then I had a huge, huge decision to make in the third round between Shane McClanahan, who was still there, and I really wanted, really, really wanted Corey Seeger. And I went with McClanahan. Don't think Corey Seager is going to come back to me, but I just <laughs> helped myself and we'll see what happens. So yes, that is what is going on. But, um, you know, those are a couple little unique things. Jordan Walker is one I do want to point out, like I said, that he, he just doesn't qualify in the outfield, so We're not going to talk about him here, but in many places, Yahoo in week one, he's going to have it. And it's going to take a couple weeks after he would, he would be up here. As a matter of fact, Boggs, Uh, Let's do it when we come back here in just a second. Let's take a look at where he would be. I'm going to look at my overall and try to get a glance and figure out exactly where he would be an outfielder right now and where he's going to move. But we want to tell you guys, if you guys are setting up your leagues, hey, my Tout Wars draft, you know where we're doing it? We're doing it on fan tracks. That's right, because fan tracks, the ease of being able to do slow drafts, live drafts, customize your leagues, whatever it is you want. They've got you hooked up. And if you go to the uh, URL, fantrax.com slash in this league. First off, you're giving us credit, which we appreciate. But when you do it, whether you're signing up for a new league, starting a new league, uh, doing, I think, best balls might even work. And you can move your leagues over from other spots. You will be entered in to win an autographed jersey of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Someone's going to win it. So why not you? And go check them out today, fantrackscom slash in this league this episode sponsored by them and we appreciate it. So go and check them out today. The Best Dynasty platform. Uh, they've got a great app that they've really adjusted to. So go and check them out. Bantracks.com slash in this league. Let's go do it. Let's go talk about the outfielders. We'll set it all up. We'll figure out this uh we'll figure out this Jordan Walker mess when we get back right after this, right here on ITL
1: it's in this league no one uh asked you anything ever so whomever's name is in this league why don't you take a letter opener and stick it in your skull
2: outfield ranks on hell week we're gonna go through them we're gonna talk about the post 50 guys to start and then we're gonna move our way up giving you numerically the top 50 one thing if you're not familiar with always how we've done this you know, like we go in spurts of going through ranks and stuff. Sometimes when we talk about these or we just even visually look at it in this type of space, we're going to make changes. We might make live changes that are going to be on the update, uh, which is only a week and a half away over uh, on our Patreon at this league.com. We'll go through those things. And a unique one that I could see people asking would be, hey, where do you have Jordan Walker? And because he's a third baseman since we're talking about this, and I will talk about the reason why I think he could be pushed up even more when we get to that certain section but we both just looked and apparently i win the jordan walker sweepstakes he would be outfielder 46 for me and 47 for the box yes. so <laughs> you do not get him you lose sir Goodbye. Uh, have good him, day sir
0: just ahead of cody bellinger and just behind uh jeff mcneil in terms of outfielders here
2: so belly oh man you really think you take belly over jordan walker no, I just said I'd take Walker over Belly. Oh, okay. I behind you McNeil. Okay, no. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. no. Well, you know, I'm speculating a little bit, but I think that's a guy that could move up a tiny bit. So he technically would make this list of what we're going to talk about today because we are going to numerically give you the 50, but I think there's a little bit of movement that could go on there. But there are some players that um, are outside of this that I think are still targets Your number 51, I think, is fascinating because I actually just talked about him on a Fantasy Pro short when we were talking about the highest upside stolen base players. This guy stole over 80 bases in the minor leagues last year, and Eno and I even were chatting a little bit about him on the most recent uh, rates and barrels. So, Esturi Ruiz, Bogman, you have at 51, which let's take a look here because I just went away from the sheet. He is an ECR of 91 with a min of 52, Bogman, that means you are the world's highest. Estory Ruiz Ranker, congratulations, Bogman. You win. No one is higher in the entire world than you.
0: We'll see where this goes, depending on <laughs> where he starts lining up in uh, spring training in the lineup. Because Ross Resource, who had him at one for a while, now has got him at nine. Yeah. So if he's hitting at the bottom of the A's order, he gets three at-bats a game. And I'm not going to be very excited about him. Right, but uh, if he's hitting leadoff for anybody, uh, that's a guy in for spe- specifically for the worst team in baseball that needs to produce runs. Uh, he's going to be running. Uh, he's going to be running wherever he's in the in the lineup. But if he's at one, I like him way better. I mean, it's Tony Kemp right there who they have listed at one. Who knows? I mean, Ruiz if he hits three hundred can end up hitting third for this team anywhere in this lineup. Um, I just like the fact that he's getting the opportunity. Stone bases are hard to come by. Outfielders with you know, decent stats that can help you are hard to come by late in the draft. So I don't mind throwing a dart on Ruiz specifically if I need stolen bases. So, I mean, this guy could get you 30 and I wouldn't be shocked. So, um, that's why I have him, I guess, apparently higher than anybody else.
2: I don't actually hate it though. Um, E- Eno's pretty adamant about just like really hating the bat to ball skills. I've seen him be a really good hitter. I don't trust that he's probably going to be smurst. Yeah, he just, you know he feels like he feels like Billy Hamilton to me. Like he's just when he gets on base, he will run. How much will get he get on base is the big question. The A's are going to want to push it, and he's going to be out there every day. The usage and why I kind of buy this because where the hell do I have him? I have Did him Billy
0: Hamilton ever hit three hundred in A?
2: Um yeah I want to say he did. I mean, Ruiz
0: hit 329 last year between I mean look, he only hit 171 in 35 games. He had or 35 at bats last year, but he had 329 um for Milwaukee's AAA squad, he hit 315 for San Diego's AAA squad, so I don't know. Like, you know, he's never going to have power, but he can at least, you know, uh hit the ball a little bit. Looking at Billy Hamilton,
2: I was trying to find um, his minor league but apparently ooh, I pulled up the
0: 143 158 uh let's see uh 256 looks ooh. like I mean in one game in last year he hit three he was 1 for 3 so he hit 333 in triple A but he hit 143 in two games for Minnesota and uh 186 for three games with Seattle obviously kicked around all mm. over the place 273 in double A 256
2: 286 he ain't he ain't Billy Hamilton Ain't that bad? No, but I, all I was trying to do is just say he's like, uh, like when no, he gets on base, his he's stealing. Hamilton, no one is. So no, but he's going to try to steal every time he gets on base. Yeah, my my whole deal is like, either way, outfield kind of stinks. We all need stolen bases at all times, and he's not incredibly expensive. I want to say the Fantasy Pros ADP, which by the way, the Fantasy Pros ADP is a lot better now because it's got all of them. Like a couple weeks ago, it had literally like RTS Sports and NFBC. They're all there now. It's all yeah. of the guys. And I think you can even take some off. Joe did that where he like took ESPN off. If you don't want to look at their nonsense. Yeah, Frank that's what we did. We did
0: that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe in the last show. So,
2: But like he, he might be a one category player. There's some other potential in there. Playing time is a huge advantage for him as well. Like they don't have a lot of other guys. They also mortgaged a decent amount to get him in that silly trade. So they're committed. And unless he hits a buck 70, which is a possibility,
0: this is not a bad gamble, and it's post Christian Pache taking uh, any work from him, you think?
2: Yeah, no. Um, well, yeah, Pache is like a gold glove defensive type of player. What does their outfield currently look like? It's Ram- Ramon Lariano. A story, and then is it Seth Brown or I thought Seth Brown was the first he's base playing player. first. Uh, I'm right surprised now, Pache it is not.
0: JJ Bleday, who they just traded for, platooning with Christian Pache. I, so.
2: I think Pache is P- Pache has no offense whatsoever, but he's like a really really good defender. So I think those two will just straight up platoon. I just neither one of them is taking time away from Mystery Ruiz. So yeah, I'm I'm with that. I'm I'm totally with that one. One that you and I both really really like is Brian De La Cruz. Now. You know, I say I really like him. I guess I don't have him in my top 50, but I am higher than either. ECR. Yeah, you are a little bit higher than me. You have him at 55. I have him at 57. His ECR is 61 with a high of 38. This is outfield ranks here. My worry, why I'm not going like Buck, is because the Marlins are not giving us any confidence that, like, he is, is the guy. They're, they're essentially throwing a, he's probably going to platoon with Jesus Sanchez in some capacity. And I don't like that. I don't like that. I think he is the better player. And you guys know I used to be the big Jesus Sanchez guy, but I've said it a whole bunch. Like, Brian De La Cruz to me is a Teoscar light, hits the ball incredibly hard, high XBA, high XWOBA, high X SLUG. I mean, the guy. The, the guy is primed, especially on a lot of the expected stats, to rise on all levels as far as he is as a hitter. His problem is, is if he's not making contact, he's not doing a whole lot of other stuff. He strikes out a right. whole bunch. He doesn't walk a whole bunch. The whiffs are there. You don't want to be swinging through, but I think the underlying stats are better than Jesus Sanchez. And if he were to get the full-time play here, this is a guy that who hit 13 homers last year in just a little over 300 I think he could push 25 homers if he was given the full time gig and doesn't have some major regression. So I really like Brian De La Cruz outside the top 50. I would preferably have all my outfielders, but if I'm in a five outfielder league and you're in a 15 team roto, Brian De La Cruz as your fifth outfielder is not that bad. Because what you can also do is you could take Brian De La Cruz, who's a little bit volatile, and then take just a stinky old veteran and put it's the third base Jordan Walker, Justin Turner thing. Take Brian De La Cruz and then you can go and take, you know, some lower outfielder that isn't crazy. Jesse Winker, you could take. He's got an ECR of 63. You could take a Randall Gritchick, who's a little bit higher. Um, there, there's a lot of Trent Grisham if you want to do that and pair them with a guy like Brian De La Cruz, because I think the offensive upside is really there. And it's just hard to deny XBA was top 4% of the league. x slug was top 6% of the league. A Lot of red. It, Top ten percent in xwoba, and and I know you're like, Ooh, blah, blah, blah. well, he had a three thirteen woba with a three fifty five expected. That that's a marker just to show us that like he underperformed where he could and Meet on been. the bone Welsh Meet, Meet on, on that bone. bone. Oh, that's exactly. right. And I know you like daily Cruz. You like daily Cruz before I did, man.
0: Well, when we were going through, you know, um, making out when I was making a show sheet and looking at all the did you Taiwan say when stuff, we
2: were making out. <laughs>
0: I said when we were making a show sheet all is right. what I said. Uh, look, look, man, I, I'm flattered, right?
2: <laughs> I've known Let's, you a long is,
0: time, let's just keep our relationship friends. where it is. Welsh. Yeah, so, yeah, all right, well, let's, just, friends, let's just stick with what we got. When we were making up the show sheet, uh, when I was making up the show sheet for, for advanced stats and all that stuff, Brian De La Cruz is one of those guys that just kept popping up. His name kept popping up. His savant yeah. page is very red. There's some blue in there, too. Uh, you know, uh, doesn't walk a lot, like you said. Um, uh, K rate pretty low with rate, pretty bad as well. So, uh, there's a little blue there, but you can see, um, that, you know, just if he fixes a couple little things, he's going to take off and be a really good outfielder. So I love taking him as my last outfielder or a bench bat. If I do already have my outfield, uh, filled out just in case he does hit that peak. So, uh, I'm all in on La Cruz for sure.
2: All right, uh, we're, we've each got like a couple guys that we're going to talk about in this. Who's another guy post fifty on your outfield ranks that uh, what for whatever reason you want to talk about him, whether you like or don't like? Who's another? Apparently,
0: guy? I'm a little lower on him than consensus, but I kind of like Andrew Benintendi, and I feel like he keeps getting skipped in our mock drafts, and I always have an opportunity uh, to take him. Sometimes I do miss, but this is guy that is slated to hit between Tim Anderson and Luis Robert. Like that's a good spot to be in at the top of the lineup i you know we expect everyone to add a couple steals because of the bigger bases and the rules and stuff this guy could easily be a 15 15 dude hitting in chicago um you know never going to be extremely exciting but he's going to hit around 300 you know he's going to score a bunch of runs he should be able to drive in tim anderson a decent amount as well so i kind
2: of like andrew benintendi this year as a late guy that you can pick up what was his, uh, I don't think I've paid attention. I want to look at, I don't know if you even have it up. I want to look at his uh, projections for. Yeah, it's uh, ex,
0: uh bad X has him 14 and nine uh, everywhere. It, it seems like 14 55. to 12 homers and 10, 12 to nine swipes is where he is. 13. And, on it, Zips.
2: and if you want to, and these are, you know, median lines and stuff like that. Better basketball skills last year. Yeah, low strikeout numbers. If there is any resurgence back in power, which, by the way, I want to tell you. There's not a lot. I see a lot of teams in camps and stuff like that, you know, where I go and you kind of see different approaches and you see how guys do it. I don't know if there's a team that I pay attention to that is more pull swing heavy big homers than the Chicago White Sox. So there's just a part of me that. Feels like like they're going to work that approach where Andrew, Andrew Benintendi is going to put the ball back in. So maybe like if you want to play, what's an upside on Benintendi because your floor here is you know, fourteen and nine, might be 2010, 2015, somewhere in yeah. there. So I, I'm, I'm okay. He's with, had a twenty ADP? twenty season before, his, um, uh, or what? What is his ECR? I'm sorry, was it fifty? 50? Yeah, okay. So and I'm like lower
0: right on on him. I have him at fifty three, so I'm a little I'm bit a lower.
2: I like him. Yeah, apparently I don't like him. Um, Someone I'm coming around on a little bit, but this actually surprised me. I didn't realize I was higher on ECR, except this is a situation where ECR, which is expert consensus ranks on fantasy pros. I'll bet you if we had the ADP up, I don't know if you want to pull it up real quick. The the full on ADP. This is not going to be the same thing. And the player I'm talking about is Masataka Yoshida. Because I am quite a bit higher than the consensus ranks for whatever the reason is. His in, his ECR is sixty-two. I have him at fifty-four. He has a, a high pick of twenty-nine outfielder, the twenty-ninth outfielder, and a low of one eighteen. What my experience is whatever the this ECR is, that is not the applicable range that he's getting drafted. I see I feel like he's going 51. higher. 51. 51. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit. It's not a ton. What did I just say is ECR I went from the page. It was it, uh, yeah, 62. No, that's all. That's exactly what I'm saying. 62 yeah. is his uh, rank as oh, far as a shiny go. new toy, for sure. Like, well, projections. Yeah, and the projections. Projections have him out yeah. as one of the best hitters in baseball. If I remember correctly, Steamer, it's like the best hitter. Uh, eight, even the Bat-X had him in the top five. I have my questions as I have about real translation of like, The homers seem a little bit odd and whatnot. He was like 21 homers in Japan and everything's like 16. But at the end of the day, the guy does walk twice as much as he strikes out. He's going to take those bat to ball skills here. I'm going to be very interested in how teams approach him and how aggressive they are early on and how he's going to fend. But he's got incredible bat speed. There is power to play in there. I like him more in points leagues, but I'm, I'm turning around a little bit more. I'm not a top 50 guy on him. But I do have him higher than most of the consensus guys. And I think once we get into spring training, it's just going to take a couple hits for him to take a rocket to the moon. I think people will, and I will probably fall out of interest with him if I'm being honest, if that starts to happen. But Masataki Yoshida I think is really interesting. Not a top 50, but he's right out of there. Bogman, who's your last guy you want to cover? Uh, Chris Morell. And
0: look, Chris Morell is definitely a conditional guy. You have to have batting average wrapped up and not have issues there because what you're taking him for is the homer and steals combo uh, that he had last year. And you hope that he doesn't crater in the batting average and he can stay right around 230, 240 and hit you, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 homers and steal you 15 bases. But he has potential to be a 15 15 guy very late in drafts. And, you know, uh, Cubs lineup is better than it was going in. So might be a little bit better, but yeah, this is a guy I like taking at the end. Um, I kind of like this group of 51 through 60 that I have ranked here. Cause I like Alex Kirilov a lot too. I like the power of Jock Peterson. Uh, you know, we both like Will Myers. So, but this is like, you know, you kind of have to have some things wrapped up to take these guys. They are conditional and, That's rough when it's only 60 deep. I mean, if you're in a 15-man league, that's four outfielders. You know, you're going down to 75 uh, for your starters uh, in a 15-man league, which can get real ugly. But um, these are decent guys in a shorter league and a 12-man league.
2: I'm a little perplexed with with Christopher Morrell. Christopher. uh, Christopher. Like they have him aligned as a third baseman for the year. They've also got Patrick wisdom. I wonder what that's going to do. Their outfield is kind of set. They've got a DH locked in. So I still like kind of look at this and I'm like, all right, doesn't seem like there's a lot of wiggle room. I could see morell being like a super util. Doesn't yeah. If somebody gets time. hurt
0: too, he can play all over the place. So that's yeah, he nice. can
2: play every, almost every single position, which is cool projections have him as a double-digit homer and stolen base guy which is good and they it's in a tempered game too bad x has him at 112 games uh which is powered by etc so like if he were to play 150 you might be looking at a 2015 guy which i actually see more and more why you really like him with that third base eligibility i guess my only little question is like how committed is this team to him being the third baseman overall, especially very if true. the bat struggles a little bit and wisdom comes in? Then morell is kind of like, maybe he's now a three-day-a-week type of guy, which I worry about, but... um can't I mean, take him I, as a starter.
0: Yeah, for sure. You, yeah, you I, I don't think I have him starter. very high, though. I don't think yeah. I have well, him I don't, very high at all. So. I mean, I get that, too. Like, he is definitely a boomer bus player, but that's kind of what we're at. At that point in the draft in the outfield. So I'll yeah. take a risk on him for sure.
2: Yeah. Also set to hit eight. Not the best thing in the world, but definitely something. Yeah, to watch.
0: but that's not a lineup where anything's locked,
2: mm-hmm. I don't think. So the, the last guy I'm gonna talk about, it's really funny. It's actually something that popped up. We did a show, you and I, with our dearest friend Casey Bubba on Bench of Bubba podcast, where you know there's a couple of things that people love to ask us if they're doing a diamondback show or ask me if they're doing something with prospects. And Bubba wanted us to do some Diamondbacks. I don't think you and I have actually ever done someone else's show covering the Diamondbacks. So that was unique. I've
0: done Mason's last couple. Yeah, of you do. Seasons. You're
2: like yeah. annually doing Mason stuff, but like us together don't really do that. And we got on the conversation because Bubba wanted to talk about all the guys. We got in this conversation about Lourdes Gurriel, who I was kind of just indifferent about. But then as happens, which is so fun about podcasting and why I like to talk. And sometimes you hear me kind of like, you guys could probably hear my brain like running like the hamster <laughs> Processing, in my brain. Right. Kind of going, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can hear when like the computer slows down in my brain a little bit or speeds up. And something that happened kind of live on there was we we're talking about Lourdes Gurriel in that he's, you know, great contact hitter. He's gotten better. Four straight years of lowering his strikeout percentage, which is really impressive. His batting average, two of the last three years, has been 290 or higher. This past year, the power completely suppressed. And, uh, you know, Toronto's environment, definitely something to do with it, especially where they played in 2021, but something popped up when we were talking about it, that I was like, you know, one thing I could see with this team that I'm a backs is I'm not the biggest world's biggest believer in Jake McCarthy he had like almost 40 point differential on his batting average to his expected. He hit 280, he's expected around 240. I don't know if the team would be committed to him hitting three. Yes. I could see Corbin Carroll doing it, but what if they really like him leading off? That leaves an opportunity for really the perfect type of three hitter for this team is a high contact hitter in Lourdes Guriel to hit at three because you've got Cattell at two, which is theoretically a high contact hitter, a guy on base in Corbin Carroll. You put a high contact player in Lourdes who's not a big power guy, but just to move the guys over, RBIs are there, and then you got Christian Walker hitting behind him. That's actually kind of sneaky. It's contingent on Lourdes Guriel being that's a Lavello being move up, too. You can see it, him doing that. You and I have watched Lavello a million. This is a hundred percent a move they would do. And if he continues to be this really solid contact hitter, you know, he's projected around 60 RBI right now, which is higher than what he did last year. You might legit look at 75 to 80 for Lourdes Gurriel. If he's put in that spot, maybe he gets a little bit better. He's a 15 Homer guy. And all of a sudden you're looking at Lourdes Gurriel, who seemed like a nothing burger, and now he's a guy. ECR is 60, 53. I have him at 61, so I'm lower, but in the next rank update, I think I'm going to boost him up a little bit, just off of that speculative thing, because like you said, you and I could both see Tory Lovello doing this, and he's yeah. perfect for that spot.
0: And they needed a right-handed bat, too. I mean, that was part yeah. of the reason why they wanted Gurriel, because you have Carroll, who's a lefty, Marte's is switchy, uh, McCarthy's a lefty, Rojas is a lefty, Alec Thomas is a lefty, like there's so many lefties in this lineup, so getting another righty outside of Christian Walker was a priority to them, and that's why you know Guriel's going to play most days.
2: Yeah, and it's not about like, I think I'm open to the opportunity that Lourdes could be a 10 or 15 homer guy, but before, to me, he's kind of a one-category player, but if the power rises back up and he gets more RBIs because of this, he actually might be like a two-and-a-half to three-category, or maybe even three-and-a-half category play. He's just not going to steal a lot of bases RBI's won't be significant but you could have a high batting average okay RBI uh okay homers and pretty decent RBI and we see that sometimes from guys like this so i'm open to it so i moved i'm going to move him up a little bit more and he kind of jumps up on that list and there's many more guys that we have on this i don't know if i could pinpoint a lot of targets you said you really like that like what was it like 51 through 59 you said
0: yeah I, yeah I, li- I like this grouping uh, of of players like j- just to take a shot I mean I don't like them as starters I hope that these are my first bench guys but I do like them as players I like the risk that they and the reward that they give
2: I feel like there's a couple guys later I, I feel like people would be wondering where Jared Kelnick is I'm I'm tiny tiny speculative on him it's more in. it I did it in the uh no what, what is it what is it again Otno. Otno. In the Otno drive. I actually got Kelnick for like a buck. He's um, he's he's taking a concerted effort to change his approach. And, and a really interesting thing that came out in this article that I'm intrigued with, and I can confirm, I remembered back to my interview with him, and I asked him, I was like, you know, do you have goals? And he was like, I want to be a 2020 guy. But when he said it, something that he said, and I think it's in the interview, is he said... I talked with my camp, with my family and my agents and my people, and we set these goals. Well, in this art, and this is a couple of years ago. This article mentioned that for the first time, it's amazing, for the first time that Jared Kelnick is letting the organization and others into his camp. So what that's telling you is this is a guy that has singularly kind of, yeah, he's, he's, he's worked with like private trainers outside of the organization and stuff and he's switching the game up, and he's switching his approach up, too, a little bit more contact That's smart. I mean,
0: these guys at the big league level, like everyone talks about instruction. You want your best instructors down at the the lower levels to develop these guys. No, you don't. You want the guys that you're paying millions and millions of dollars to get the best instruction. So the best instruction is still up at the big leagues. That's why you see guys come up. Maybe they're unimpressive. Maybe they came up because of an injury, and then they thrive because they get in front of a coach that says, Do this instead of doing that. And whatever it is, it works. These are still the best guys at the big
2: league. Well, and and you get this guy, you get a guy that's been dominant like since high school, and they come over and they're dominant in the minors. So it's like, why do they need to hear different? Well, it's a new approach. I saw a little bit of it. It was a stupid BP session, but there was a lot of opposite field approach he was taking. So I'm all I'm getting at is like really, really deep leagues. Like there's a tiny bit of speculation. I've got him a little bit higher. Also kind of interested, Lane Thomas, Trent Grisham. Those are guys I'm looking at. I don't love a lot of stuff, but Brantley, the top if 50s he stay are healthy. okay. Yeah. Brantley's interesting as Brantley's well. Down so there,
0: winkers down there, Garrett Mitchell, if he gets playing time, we heard Cardi mentioned obvious sale. Like there's some deeper, there's some deeper outfielders that could pay off, but it's murky. It's murky it at murky. the bottom.
2: So let's focus on the top 50, the guys that you really want. And let's go 50 to 41 box. I'll start us off here. I've got Michael Conforto at 50, followed by joy, Manessis, Alex Verdugo, something I forgot to mention. We are throwing a few utility-based type players that we will not be talking about into this that used to be outfielders. So Bryce Harper will be in this, and JD Martinez is in this. So we're throwing them in here. JD Martinez, forty-seven. Whit Merrifield at forty-six. Harrison Bader, Brandon Nimmo, Miguel Vargas, another one of those, you know, weird ones. Some places he qualifies at outfield, some he doesn't. Um, you know, throw him in there. Romo not in the ECR.
0: is the whole why why you're mentioning it is he's some, not in the Art?
2: yeah and some people don't even have i think there's a side or two that doesn't have him so he's 43 ramon lariano is 42 and riley green is at 41.
0: Uh, for me i've got riley green at 50 then seth brown at 49. joey manessis cody ballinger jeff mcneil lars newpar Whit, then
2: jd martinez brandon nimmo and harrison bader we will save the large new bar conversation for the next thing we're talking about. Um, I'm going to mention this one last time. I feel bad. Sometimes I hope people don't get sick of this. Like I get, I'm on a lot of places and I'm desperately trying to like not repeat myself, but there are certain specifics. I feel like I just need to mention time and time again. And I have done this a couple times in the past week, but because we're doing an outfield episode, even though this guy's going to be a second baseman, Miguel Vargas, I just want to throw out is, He's a player, he's my number one like prospect target right now. I obviously want Corbin Carroll, but I just think he is wildly underrated, 280, I think ADP on Fantasy Pros right now. I really, really think, with I'm not worried about the pinky hairline fracture or anything like that, but the team's commitment to second base, Dave Roberts' conversation around him and Gavin Lux, them wanting them to run a lot more, really gets me wondering if Miguel Vargas might be low-key 2020 guy this year maybe 2015 something like that he's a great contact hitter. doesn't strike out walks he's in an incredible dodgers lineup in general there's just something about i want to jump in on that understand the volatility of it but he costs so cheap i just want to be one of the high guys on miguel vargas and he's one of those players i'd really like to see on all my teams why is he not on the ECR at all because he does qualified outfield. I believe in some spots or am I just making it all? Not up?
0: on I use CBS list here uh, and that's 20 games and he didn't get 20. I think he had like 18. So he's like okay. just under it. I mean, he'll get it after the first month. Uh, well, he won't season. because he well, no, you're right. he's not going to play won't. outfield. Yeah. No. Um, but you know, I, I like Vargas too. I have him probably too low. I'll probably raise him up. I think I have him like 63 or something like that. Um, don't like that he's hitting nine. I also don't like that they have other guys. If he does come up and struggle, you know, uh, Chris Taylor could easily move to second and they could do other stuff with their outfield after getting Peralta and they still have James Altman out there and stuff. So there's outs for the Dodgers if he comes up and struggles, but I have him rostered in like two dynasty leagues and I only do three. So I obviously, uh, have pushed my chips in on Vargas for sure. Um, this year I'm just a little more wary. Of him than you are that's all but i mean yeah. he's dripping with talent that's for sure
2: um talk about a player uh that you want to go with after <laughs> you gross me out he threw me off there i'm like Let's talk about a player because it's gross <laughs> you don't like dripping with talent no, that's too much no, no, uh no,
0: no. i kind of have a tear break here uh at 43 where i have jd martinez i have jd martinez and then you know kind of everybody else that i'm not really in love with i would like to get my five out of my top 43 here is what I want. So, uh, I'll, you know, Bader is, I feel like a little bit underrated. I have him at 41, ECR at 45. You know, uh, played hurt a lot last year, had a very good postseason. I think he can build off of that for the Yankees. So I'm excited about him. Um, I hate that JD Martinez is on the Dodgers, but I mean, come on, man. JD hitting five, driving in. Uh, Muncie, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts is a great spot to be and I know he does a qualified outfield. He's a DH, but we're not going to talk about DHs in Hell Week, so I, I threw him in here. I would love to draft him, and he gets lost in the shuffle, too. When yeah, you're he down here and you start clicking at outfield, you forget about him. You have a util spot, so if you haven't filled it out, uh, by the time you get down here, he is a great one to have. It
2: just to your point, it just stinks if like if you drafted Otani, JD Martinez is no longer a viable option. Yeah. Or if you made the commitment to he's Bryce definitely conditional. Yeah. Uh, definitely. But
0: but I hate like I'm real weary about all the guys below 43. Even you know Jeff McNeil had that big fluctuation in batting average between uh, 21 and 22, and he doesn't offer a lot outside of that. He's okay. He's not dead weight like other guys. But if he's hitting 250, you don't want him on your team. Uh, You know, Whit Merrifield not stealing any bases for the Blue Jays. That has to change. Like, that's one of the weapons in the bag for him. They got to let him do it. But only stealing two in like 40 or whatever games for the Blue Jays was just terrible. You take away a big part of his, uh, you know, uh, fantasy assets when you're doing that. So he weirds me out a little bit. But yeah, this, this tier, I don't know. I feel better about the riskier tier below this.
2: Then I do this tier. So for me, it's Bader I mean, and JD. There's, a, well, I I mean, you have large new bar in here, and you don't feel comfortable. Makes me vomit. But um I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't love a lot. Of, I Br- Harrison Bader is someone I tend to focus on. As soon as I don't end up getting like stolen bases, he becomes a big fo- focus. I think I feel like I'm like a hater on Brandon Nimmo. I just he's like elite runs and batting average, but I feel like it's a little bit more two category way better points league player. I so I'm like. Significantly lower, apparently. The guy that I am intrigued with overall is uh Riley Green, right? And probably no shock prospect stuff. ECR 44. I've got him at 41. I think you have him in here. You have him at 50. 50. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the walls are going to change, which I'm really going to be intrigued to see. Ooh, I'm saying intrigued a lot on what's going to happen. 45% hard hit rate, pretty solid. 9% barrel rate, pretty solid. His XBA was about in line with this average. He had a better expected slug than what he did and a better ex Woba. You know what one of the biggest problems was? Guy hit everything into the damn ground. Had a 2.8 launch angle. I do believe that that is rectifiable. I do think when you look at hitting the ball into the ground, that is something that teams can actively work on. And this was a way more known contact hitter with crazy raw power. A contact-based guy that's not trying to hit for power that just connects into it. I think Riley Green is going to take a step. And I'm a believer in Riley Green overall. And I think he's going to take a step. I hate the strikeout percentage. That wasn't, I mean, I guess he had a couple stops where he was 27%. I see him as a 25% guy, and I want that to improve. And I overall just, I, I hope the quality of contact changes and the expected stats show a little bit more of who he is. That is a guy that I'm willing to take a buy on. The low end of what projections see in him right now, it, bat X, 13 homers, seven stolen bases in 130 games. That's not really great. That's not good for even like 40 to 50 outfield. I think we have room to get into that like, 18 to 20 range, maybe 10 stolen base. If we could get 2010, I know we use I mean, arbitrary numbers, but like that is the thing that would get me jacked up and why I would try to buy back in.
0: But Green and Torque, those are guys that, like, if they if they perform way above expectations, no one should be shocked by that. No. These yeah. are guys that are highly touted prospects. By the way, I, look, I'm one spot higher on Noop Bar, even with adding uh, J.D. Martinez we'll and Fernando Tatis and a couple other guys uh, on the list. I just, you know, his Vaughn page is amazing, but he hit 228 last year. And well, let's to do hit this.
2: Seven. Let's let's do this. Let's go to the next range okay. and we'll tell you and, and, and I'll put a focus on him. Give me your uh, 40 to 31.
0: At 40, I've got Oscar Gonzalez and Mitch Hanniger, Bryce Harper, Ian Happ, Hunter Renfro, Andrew Vaughn, Jake McCarthy, Sayah, Giancarlo and MJ Melendez.
2: Uh, I will note I do I don't think I put MJ Melendez on my outfield so okay. he's not on here I don't even want to talk about him.
0: I mean the only reason I have him here is because he qualifies as a catcher. He's my play every day. Like well,
2: I'd are say we won't. far in between. He's gonna play a ton of outfield. Like that is that's the thing what I, here. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I guess the only reason I don't have to list him on here is because none of us are drafting him as an outfielder. We're drafting him as a, a catcher, guy who plays outfield yeah. as a catcher. But he is very, very cool. And with Drew Waters missing some time, that's even more everyday playing time that, you know, we're talking about like, Ooh, Carlos Bell and stuff. Probably Melendez is Neupar set to play one in spot
0: on your list. By the way, if you had Melendez on this list, just say yeah. It.
2: no, yeah. we'll just keep raising him up here. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about mine then. So I've at 40, I've got Hunter Renfro. I've got Oscar Gonzalez at 39, followed by Mitch Hanager, Ian Happ, Cody Bellinger, Taylor Ward at 35, Lars Newbar at 34, Tyler O'Neill at 33, Giancarlo Stanton at 32, and Andrew Vaughn at 31. So, Lars Newtbar here. I am the world's highest on Lars bar. Now, I'm guessing there's going to be a bunch more people that are going to like jump in in the ranks sure. and the ECR coming in March, and someone will beat me. This happened last year. I was the world's highest on Bobby Witt. No one was higher than me. I sound like Pizza Pia. No one was higher. And then, obviously, like, you know, Someone like comes in and goes nuts. And who who is our uh, who's our football guy that we always laugh Roger about? Byfield. Roger Byfield. Raju Byfield. There's a Raju Byfield that comes in and it's like he's number two. And they jump in there. That'll happen. But I'm currently the highest ranker on Lars Newt Bar. ATC going, had
0: a couple of those, by the way. because uh, Ariel loaded up his ATC stuff and there was a couple that were out of whack.
2: So yeah, and they it happened like that. But okay, so you say like, yeah, he hit two twenty-eight. He had an expected batting average of two forty-seven this past year. Um, X Woba was a tiny bit higher. Great barrel percentage. A even harder hit than uh, who the hell was I just talking about before this? A Riley Green, forty six percent. Me and Eno talked about Lars. Also, actually, there's an interview coming on Rates and Barrels with Lars Nupar, and I was super disappointed that it's already recorded. So I couldn't <laughs> be there because I told I told you, you know, I was like, did you already record it? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, "Ah, oh, I was going to tell you to tell him I love him, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> that, that BP session the other day. Where, tell him I, still
0: uh, has, I still have a vial of his blood around my neck. St- tell him that. Stubby
2: clap said uh, check please you know when he did that which i just love i mean it's just little anecdotal things but he's just got a great feel for hitting he's got a beautiful savant page a lot of hard hit he could lead off for this team and you know his xba
0: was like you said what was it 19 points higher than his actual yeah it's almost 20 points higher like close to like a 250
2: guy so let me throw this out to you this is actually the jordan walker thing this is all the stuff here that i find fascinating
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No
2: purchase necessary, VTW group, were prohibited by law, see terms and conditions, 18 plus. The Cardinals, we found out today as we're recording this, actually, you guys are listening to this pretty much as we recorded this, that Tyler O'Neill is vying for the center field job. Now they could obviously change at any moment, but that's very telling that he is not going back to left field or right field, that he is vying with Dylan Carlson for that center field job. So what that tells me, This Lars new bar is locked, if you didn't already believe it. Because I've had a lot of people be like, well, look at all these guys. But it also tells me whether it's right or left. Let's just assume Lars is going to stay in right and Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson are vying for center field. There's an opening in left field. Because if they just just wanted Carlson and O'Neill to be in the outfield status quo, right? They don't. They're having a competition. Why are they having that competition? Because maybe they're opening it up for Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker goes into left. Lars Neupar is right. And now it is between Carlson and O'Neill that are fighting for that. Juan I mean,
0: pez is the DH here. What if it's just a cluster F of outfielders?
2: But my whole point is, is like Dylan Carlson is on the chopping block here. Also, like, Juan Pez is not a person that I think is locked to a DH spot. You can get in. That's the, what the, I'm the saying is,
0: is what if it's a big rotational crapshoot of outfielders? That's what I don't like.
2: It's a possibility, but Tyler O'Neill is not part of the corner infield anymore. His rotational stuff is more about center corner field. Outfield. So yeah, I understand. Uh, uh, yeah, corner field. So maybe they could, you know, Dylan Carlson can move around. I acknowledge all that stuff, but what I find fascinating is that Dylan Carlson, to me, is a trade piece because if they get rid of Carlson, you've got O'Neill in center. But guess what? Jordan Walker worked at center and they could play there. You've got multiple large new could that you've got multiple guys that could move to that spot. If Yipes has to come into the outfield and left, you've got so much depth. I really think Dylan Carlson could be on the chopping block, especially with what they're doing with O'Neill. And it's just telling. And it's one more piece why I want to speculate on Walker and why I feel ultra comfortable about Lars new I think every metric down the list works in favor of him. This might flame out. Uh, always opportunity for big flame outs especially when you love a guy you're just like oh you love this guy and then he's just gonna he's gonna stank and everyone's gonna just i'm gonna be the large new bar guy that's a possibility but i'm gonna go down with the ship i'm the highest i'm gonna keep there and he's a must-have player on all of my rosters if i can except you guys all know that i like him so you won't let me have that when we do drafts when we do <laughs> any type of listener based leagues or whatever it is i'll just never have him. so that's that's the most important for me and i didn't realize i was the highest i wasn't a like cognitive thing 34 in my outfield ranks and ECR of 46. And I don't know why it says the high is 36 because I'm higher and I, these are my most active ranks on. So I don't, I don't understand why fantasy pros has that, but guys, I'm higher. Yeah. Literally. Um,
0: Yeah. I I think it's like the ECR is different. Like I think you ranked with the, um, the Yahoo settings and then this is with CBS. So it's just, it's just different. That's all. Uh, so Uh, like in your settings, when you ranked, you left Yahoo position eligibility. I think that's what it is. I think mm-hmm. it just changes when you, when you turn that on and off. So the ECR is different. Yeah, um, I, I, think I think there, I think there's a couple different, more players in the outfield because you ranked it out at Yahoo. So he's probably like 37 on your list. You know what I mean? In a row. Uh, Cause there's like three other guys and, uh, yeah. you know, so you're not actually highest. Apparently I hate this section. Because I have two guys in the green here, and <laughs> they're Oscar Gonzalez, who is fine. I mean, I don't feel like I love Oscar Gonzalez, um, but and, uh, and, and then yeah, and a catcher, MJ Melendez. But you know what? When I look at it, it's kind of true. I the guy that I like out of this section I that I draft the most
2: is Hunter Renfro. I would, that. I was about to say Hunter Renfro is the most Bogman player this year. 100%. I
0: mean, I just love the power, you know, 29 homers last year, he hit 255. Um, you know, I I don't, I I think what you see is what you get with him and that's fine. Um, I feel like I like say, but people have him at 25 and I haven't met 33. So apparently I really dislike him. Um, yeah, uh, I, I've told everyone I'm nervous about Jake McCarthy and his potential for this season because he feels a little one trick pony ish. And maybe last season
2: was, um, was a little bit of
0: an outlier for him. I hate, I didn't realize
2: I didn't really. Sorry, I mean, I apologize. I didn't realize you had him so low. I had did no idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, he, he was, you know, uh, 283 last year. I don't think that's going to last.
2: So I think he's well, closer to uh, the 240s.
0: Yeah. I think he's probably a 250 hitter. Uh, he's probably right around 10 homers and the stolen bases, you know, like, like that's what you're you're buying him for. If he's hitting three, he's going to be outstanding. I just don't know how much I believe that I could see him moving up to two if whenever Cattell gets hurt in week three and then, <laughs> uh, or down to the bottom of the lineup. If he's really struggling to start, there's not, you know, there's no guarantee that Jake McCarthy is hitting three for the D back, especially with Lavolo. I mean, we, we just said he'll do whatever. Yeah, you that, know. That,
2: that, so, I guarantee there's no guarantee that he is three. Right. I actually, I would almost put that his primary spot that he hits in 2023 is not in the three hole.
0: Yeah, if you had to guess right now, who hit who hits the most from the three spot for the Diamondbacks? Who would you say?
2: Oh, damn, that's so hard. I'm gonna um, say Walker in the three hole. Yep, he's um. a
0: prototypical four, but he hit 285 at the end of last year. If he if he comes out of the the box hot, you put him in three with all that power in front of Marte and uh, or behind Marte. And Corbin Carroll.
2: What's there. that thing? Is it like tired, wired, and then what's the third?
0: <laughs> you know what know. I'm
2: saying? Like the meme? Because I think like my tired play is Cattell Marte. My wired play is Lourdes Guriel. And then my galaxy brain play is Corbin Carroll. Those are my three for the three spot.
0: I would yeah. put Walker, uh, Carroll, too. And then I'm not Cattell, anyone but Cattell.
2: Yeah, God, you, I don't know what happened. You I'm should, done. You can tell. Now. I'm yeah, you done. Tell. You won't stay on I the field. field. I'm done. I can tell. Uh, somebody that this is another thing I think I want to fix because I've recently started to take the turn a little bit on him is uh taylor ward i i have taylor ward a little bit lower i don't like having taylor ward a whole lot lower because i think this is a player that you definitely want to get in on 23 homers five stolen bases great strikeout walk percentages hit 281 this past year which you'd love to see no exceptional bad xba or x expected anything good launch angle uh, max ev was in the 112s barrel percentage up there hard hit has a little bit of improvement but uh, he kind of he went through some spurts last year. I think he's in a really, really good spot. The outfield. I'm obviously I'm down for Trout, but like instead of Renfro, the, the outfielder I'd like to get is Taylor Ward, but he's kind of a um, I feel like he's an analyst. An, he's an analyst outfielder. Like every analyst likes him everybody wants him so okay ruben Re- yeah. boob i think you can get but he's like you know it's like what's that every analyst analyst favorite player like he's the guy <laughs> like everybody loves taylor ward there's a few of those large new might get into that range i do feel like a lot of people have followed not that they're following me but like they're with that taylor ward's one of those players so i kind of think he's going to be tougher especially in industry stuff to get but that's one of those players that i want to move up because i am a little bit lower than the consensus value on him but you take My. a look why do you like, hate him? I'm high. Yeah, you're I really high. You're way higher. You have him at twenty-eight. Okay, so what about like versus like Stanton and I have like Vaughn on here. Um, Vaughn is actually maybe a one-for-one. One. I, I like make the Case, but like, what about Stanton? Stanton and the power. Stanton's actually twenty-eight ECR versus twenty uh, or we 31 both have met thirty-two.
0: Ward. Yeah, we both have met thirty-two. I have Taylor Ward ahead. I just, you know, uh, I'm done with Stanton. I, I do have I do have him in Who the one. What hell week, uh, are you, dude? I'm done,
2: done with Cattell. Done with Stanton. What's going on? I want guys here?
0: that play baseball.
2: You hate Darvish too.
0: I want guys that play baseball, Where's and these Billy guys Burns? don't like playing baseball. You know, it, Cattell actually played like what 125 games or 130 games last year, but I mean, you know, he wasn't healthy for 80 of them. So you know, like you said, he's he's pressing. He's trying to do too much. Guy needs to relax. He needs to realize he's part of a team, and he doesn't have to do the whole thing by himself. I just, you know, I I don't know. I feel like also if I give up on these players, maybe there's a chance to bounce back and I have some of them in keeper leagues. So uh, let's do that play. You know, let's do the reverse psychology here, but also like, I love Stanton. He cannot stay on the field. Uh, Like, you know, the, the power, no one would bat an eye if he hit 50 homers, but is he going to play enough games to hit 50 homers? That that's the thing. And, you know, I have him, I don't have, I'm not crushing him. He's 28. I got him at thirty-two. So I'm just not in the spot where I'm gonna draft him that much.
2: Let's do this for these last couple because we got kind of four tiers, and this could kind of represent like guys that we would target for, you know, four outfielders. Give me two from thirty one to forty that you love and one that you really dislike.
0: All right. Um, I okay. Well then it's Renfro that I like. I like Hap. I feel like too, even though I'm lower on him. Um okay, it's just so a Renfro and Hap hate. Um, I don't like taking McCarthy. I'm not going to do it.
2: Uh, I'm obviously in the Lars new bar. I'm going to say Taylor Ward my loves, my hate. I think it's turning into belly, even though I'm higher. I didn't realize like how higher I am, but that's going to go down. Run. I think, yeah, yeah, I just never draft him. So I think he's got to continuously mm-hmm. move down. All right, let's go 30 to 21 at 30. I've got Nick Castellanos followed by Chris Bryant, the Bryce Harper, who is util and may not even get outfield this year, unless you're in Yahoo. I got him at 28, Stephen Kwan at 27, followed by Jake McCarthy, Christian Yelich, Seiya Suzuki at 24, Brian Reynolds, George Springer, and Byron Buxton at 21.
0: We got Santander at 30, then Stephen Kwan, Taylor Ward, Christian Yelich, Nick Cassianos, Chris Bryant, Tyler O'Neill, Byron Buxton, Starling Marte, and Brian Reynolds.
2: I didn't realize you were with me on kind of the Kwan thing. I have said this a whole bunch. It's like, if he, if he steals a bunch of bases and I'm wrong, okay, but I really do feel like this is a two category player. It's runs, which aren't elite. But they were elite last year, 89. I don't know if they're going to continue to be elite. Not a real life player. Yeah. 300 average is phenomenal. He walks more than he strikeouts. I don't believe in the stolen bases and I don't believe there's power progression. Maybe he does steal 20 and that's going to just make him good. Cause he's a three category player. He steals like 12 to 14. I just don't think it warrants where you're drafting him. Like you can pick up those stolen bases in a lot of other areas with better categorical things. And he's got an ECR of 26 in a 15 man league. That could be your second outfielder. I mean, that's a second. I don't like that. I don't like a six Homer 13 stolen base guy going as my second outfield. And I'm just not going to buy an odd. Like you said, great, great real life player. He's still fun and he may prove it all wrong because of, the way he makes contact but it's just a you know lot in the ground and it feels like he's just a step away or a regression spot away from just being Luisa arise and Luisa arise is exactly where you think he is not in the top 150 or anything like that
0: i have a question what did chris bryant do to make you hate him because i am higher on chris bryant old blue eyes than the welsh is what the hell's happening there
2: i'm just over it like Kind of like you are with Stanton. I think when when you deeply love something, Bogman, <laughs> you have a deep, deep love, and it doesn't love you back, you got to let it go at some point, Boggs. This is a life lesson I've given people. And if You, you missed over 100 hold on, games
0: last year, so I understand.
2: You can't hold on to a love that does not reciprocate for too long, or it will hurt you. And that is my relationship with Chris Bryant, who... Okay, you know, maybe some consistency in playing time, stats completely fell off five homers last year. It's pretty normal. We know the whole bit with it didn't hit me in Colorado. I just don't see him as this elite elite option. Whatever, I don't even know what to do with last year. He plays in Colorado, so I'm open to the opportunity that hell if in 2000 if he's 2021 version of Chris Bryant, I think this cost works out. Uh cuz what is his average? What is his 80 uh what is his adp here i I have it up here on on fantasy pros it is 124 that's actually a pretty good line for if you are a 25 10 guy
0: among outfielders so we're both higher than that so yeah i'm
2: I'm at 29 yeah by the way you say i hate him just you like i know i just have him higher um
0: uh, i I like the bounce back look two things here number one he hasn't hurt me like he hurt you right so i haven't rostered that much because you always take him so, uh, but also, I, I just, I like him in Colorado. I, I like the potential for it. Uh, I'm kind of taking last year and throwing it in the, in the trash. Last year was a bad year for him anyway. Uh, so, you know, you play, but he has missed games. He missed half of the, the COVID season as well. So, I get it. Uh, I get where you're at. I just kind of like the potential. I know he didn't do a lot with, you know, this potential last year in Colorado, but let's give him one more shot before we, we I think trash him
2: That's the all. market value is pretty cool um yeah you know like 120s like i'm looking here yahoo his adp is 125 nfbc is 127 it boosts up on stupid espn cbs got a little bit higher the cheaper you get him, the more i like the potential because Col- colorado is one of those few factors that just works in favor so uh i could get down with that but I- i'm just a little bit over it on the blue eyes and maybe this will be the year that he bounces back even though I say all of that, I am one spot higher than uh, consensus overall. Seah Suzuki is one that I am in on. I'm actually a little bit higher. I didn't realize his ECR was 25. I'm 24. I think I think this is one of those breakouts that are coming here. This is a guy does not swing outside the zone. He went through, obviously, some bumps and bruises in your first year. Still was able to hit 262 in 111 games with 14 homers and 9 stolen bases. Projections have him essentially as a 2010 guy bad X 19 homers nine stolen bases hitting 257 if you put growth onto that 25 15 in Chicago very hitter friendly spot a little bit more offense that is there a little bit more protection I think Seiya Suzuki is going to break back out love to bet on guys that exemplify really good plate discipline skills and though the strikeouts a little bit higher when you're talking about plate discipline it's also a guy that like he was famously like never swinging outside the zone. So it's a lot of zone contact also looks a little bit bigger. So maybe I'm projecting it, but I saw like a early spring video of him and Bellinger and I was like, Jesus Christ, he looks like looks like he's put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. So I'm optimistic that the power is going to be back there and he's going to be one of the big jump type of players. And his ADP is let's see where his ADP is because the only problem, the only problem with him, Frank and I talked about this a bit, not a lot of like, Extra room to grow, like he kind of is costing peak one thirteen is his ADP, not horrible. Going behind Gleyber Torres is actually kind of silly. One oh four on NFBC looks like the highest, so the high dollar guys are making bigger bets. I'll also make a bet on Suzuki. I wouldn't mind if I had like a really awesome outfielder, like Acuna, and then to have like um, Say Suzuki and then Lars Núñez as outfielders two and three. Assuming I've also, that would be like, I got some better pitchers. I probably got closers. I, you know, hooked up third base. Like I wouldn't be upset with that type of a floor outfield with Suzuki and Lars at uh, two, three.
0: Uh, for me in this section, Cassie, give me, give me a buyback on Cassie. He had a million injuries last year. It was the oblique was the big one, but he got hit on the wrist early in the season. He had a toe injury. He had all these like little nagging injuries that all added up only 13 homers, but he's talked about how he's been working on his swing this off season and trying to shorten it and uh, make it a little better. And this is a guy that, you know, hitting in, in the Philly lineup in citizen bank is that's a great place for a guy like this to be. So I expect him to have a bounce back. Will he bounce all the way back to like a 35 Homer guy? Probably not, but hitting in that lineup specifically when Harper comes back, That's a good spot to be in. So uh, I'm going to buy back on Cassie if he falls a little bit.
2: Are you proud of me that I don't have Buxton multiple spots higher than the consensus?
0: Yeah. And and, I mean, I only have him. Are you proud of me? I only have him one
2: spot below consensus. (laughs) What is more impressive? Me or you in that? That's actually a really good question. <laughs> me not going crazy. Are you not doing the whole I'm completely out on bucks? And that is a fascinating question. All right. I just wanted, I needed some approval. I needed some bugging okay. approval if you were proud of me on that. I feel because, like
0: I needed a little too. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm never going to draft him. Like I I'm, just, it's, it's I'm not going to happen. Yeah. Welsh is going to draft him ahead of me, even though he's only two spots ahead of me. Um, yeah, I'll wait and take Casty goes later. I'll wait and take Casty, you
2: know. Uxton. I will throw into this list 8780p, eh, a little bit higher than I want. Projections, bat X 2810, ATC 3110. Both of those, those are middle line stuff, and those are in 120 games, hitting 246. I'm a believer. The two forty-two or the two twenty four batting average. Uh, was not representative of where he was expected wise. He had an XBA of 242. So it's very much like Lars Newpar in there. Everything else is pretty in line. Hard hit percentage over 50 barrel percentage. Second highest of his career launch angle was in the twenties and he had a, almost nine just moved up three. Six
0: spots on Welsh's list. Look at that.
2: Now, now that I'm talking about it out loud, it actually is happening. 92.3 average EV, which was the highest, highest of his career we get that bounce back on byron buxton the right. numbers are stupid he is the jacob DeGrom though of hitters and i acknowledge yeah. it you can't count he on him he is not the day di-
0: i'm so, hold on
2: yeah. jacob
0: DeGrom. we'll talk about him tomorrow but jacob DeGrom, and, and i'm lower than consensus you i know right where you're gonna go with this jacob like, DeGrom, like DeGrom, buxton's but...
2: not the greatest player on the planet yeah you know, he was the number one fantasy player for like the first month of uh, the year okay
0: era. well i, I want to do this with buxton i want because i have buxton. my number typed into the private chat and I will just hit enter so you can see what okay. my my number is on this. When, okay. when, but I want to ask you, if you're setting the over-under on games played for Byron Buxton, because let, let's just You're going go to do something 61, offensive. You're going to do something offensive. 61, 39. That was 39, by the way, would have been uh, less than 80 uh, if it was a full season. Uh, 87, 28. Hasn't played over 100 games since 2017. So mm. what is the number? You would set knowing he's got he's gonna miss time. He's chronically do, injured. He has a bad knee. I'm
2: gonna do two things. I'm okay. gonna guess my number and then I'm gonna guess your number because okay. you're gonna give an offensive number. And let me think about your number. All right. I've got I've got your number.
0: Okay. What is your number? Do your
2: number first. All right. Mine, and by the way, projections. You don't have, have to
0: type it in. You just tell me. I'll just Yeah, type yeah, it. yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um projections have them around 120. I'm going to go in that range. I'm going to say 125 for Buxton this year. Okay. What's my, you number? are going to say, okay, I'm going to tell you my gut said 85, but then my head said 90. So I'm going to go with 90. You see it? 95. Okay. So I was close. 90 95. I under thought 100. it was going to be inverse 59. And I was going to under a hundred.
0: That, that, that's what I mean. Off. And that's why like in, in under a hundred games and I still have him in that range. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I would hope that if I drafted him he played 115 or 120, but we do a board bet on 95 games of
2: Buxton. What's that? Can we do a board bet on however uh, much you want Playboy. you oh, oh, you're, oh, you're going to do however much I want and how much you want games.
0: Yeah. And how much are you going to cry when he gets hurt week two?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll probably cry a decent amount. <laughs> um, let's, let's do 20 bucks. Okay. Done. 200 Sold. bucks. $2,000. All right. Board horse. Let's get on it. My life. R- Russian roulette. I'll bullet to my head. You're fine by uh, me. Buxton. I can't Not ruin any pull. parties oh, for me, pal. So. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, well, it's roulette. me too.
0: Don't I have to do it if I lose? Come on. Oh, you have to
2: put the bullet to your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's that's a good idea. I forgot about that. What uh, about yeah. that. Come on. Jesus. I'm good with Buxton. I'll still do it. We understand. He doesn't cost the top 50. he's a little. Eh like i want more discount i'd love to get more discount nfbc is going around 100 which i think is great yahoo's 91 it's just phenomenal talent i do play the what if game too much and it can burn me but um i'm willing to take the risk with bucks and if it does i just don't want to reach this year so that's why i didn't go crazy with it or anything like that uh anybody else in this area you want to go to 20 Let's to 11 all right you uh give me your 20 to 11
0: all right, twenty. I've got Eloy, nineteen. Springer, eighteen. Dalton Varsho, seventeen. Schwarber, sixteen. Teoscar Hernandez, fifteen. Corbin Carroll, fourteen. Luis Robert, thirteen. Adolis Garcia, twelve. Cedric Mullins, and eleven. Randy Rosarena.
2: I have got Starling Mart. Oh, Starling marte has got to come down a little bit. I haven't. A little bit. I, I got him at twenty-two. This. So yeah, I, I think I might have moved him down a little bit. But if I'm staring at this with the you know what, you stuff. got him
0: one spot ahead of Buxton. I think that's about right. Maybe. That's exactly but I where think
2: I, I have him. I might take bucks on over him right now with the injury stuff. But either way, I got Marte at 20, Adolis Garcia at 19, who, by the way, is looks jacked. I mean, I think I forget how Adolis looks, and I've seen him the last two days, and I just keep looking at him. And I'm like, good lord, that man is <laughs> Does
0: jacked. he look Jeremy Pena jacked? He I don't looks, know. Any- He looks like Captain America.
2: Yeah, he kind of does. He kind of does have that look. It's just it's just such a huge upper half. But I mean, he kind of always has that. It's just seeing him in person. Kyle Schwarber at 18. Dalton Varsha at 17. Eloy at 16. (laughs) Corbin Carroll at 15. Tay Oscar at 14. Followed by Cedric Mullins, Luis Robert and Randy Rosarena. Should we get Carroll out of the way real quick? We don't need to go crazy with it. You know what? My favorite
0: part about this is we didn't compare. We didn't naturally look. It was just, I got him at 15, you got him at 15. We're both in, we're both in on Corbin Carroll.
2: Yeah. No shocker by people, but, um, I, I've I've talked about, there's like three or four players, Jeffrey Springs, you know, Corbin Carroll, I talked about a lot, but we did it today. Me and Eno, were talking about it. He is the literal fastest man in baseball and it is by a wide gap. Eno didn't even know the gap. And I, we went through the motions and I showed him and he was laughing about it, uh, An interesting thing, someone pushed back on me because something I've been talking a lot about was the 200 ISO at every single level he has played but rookie ball. And I think that is very impressive and it's kind of telling on the power. Someone pushed back kind of saying like, well, and I I thought it was a really interesting point that they had and they weren't rude about it, that they were like, well, you know, he hits, he's so fast and he hits a ton of doubles and triples. That's going to play into the ISO. And I brought that up to Eno on Rates and Barrels and his response was, if the ISO was around like 180, he would he might see that excuse and stuff like that. But when it's over two, like I think 250, it's 240. yeah, when it's like in the 240 250 on average range, that's something that is an excuse. And you look here one, two, three, four, five, yeah, every single level is 240 or higher. That's in his point is that's not a metric of just speed, that is real, true raw power. So it's just like another confirmation of the power, the great contact skills. He is fast as can be. And I'm very hopeful that I'm going to be right about him breaking the projections this year. Another one of those. I'm very susceptible this year, maybe more than ever. Corbett Carroll, Jeffrey Springs, and Lars Newpar have me on a a plank. (laughs) And we'll see if I'm (laughs) going to be cut off the plank or if I get to stay. But you and I are both into it. And I think there is some team context here. We did this on CBS in the Battle of the Chris's that we did actually Eloy versus Corbin Carroll that I do think there might be some team construction where I might prioritize an Eloy OBP. I'd go Kyle Schwarber and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think just Corbin Carroll is a solid ish floor player. You and I are higher than ECR. He is 21. If he leads off or hits one, one, I think he's
0: going to be one, three or nine. I don't think there's a lot of in between, corbin carol well, nick ahmed is a, on
2: this team he'll never be nine
0: He so. that's true but i don't know yeah. how long nick ahmed is for the world here
2: but we can hope.
0: uh yeah i mean um i mean you should love nick ahmed because every time you show up to one of his games he hits <laughs> Dude, a homer every single he should
2: time. pay me It you guys don't even understand this because i've dogged nick ahmed so long every time i step into a stadium nick ahmed goes crazy so here's what i'm telling you if whatever games i go to this year if Nick meds in the lineup it's a dfs get him play. in
0: your dfs yeah, yeah get the dfs right.
2: play it's, it's i don't know 100%. what
0: the magic is uh yeah, yeah but but i mean corbin carroll going to hit at the top of the lineup and he's such a stud i just i what does failing look like for Carroll? For Carol? It, like how bad could it be could it be triple a can it be that bad
2: sure i mean do, okay. you shouldn't excuse anything i believe sure. personally the floor is very high for Corbin Carroll. A, a probably major league realistic low is maybe he's a 240 hitter with, I mean, Eno had a wild one. He said 10 homers, 30 stolen bases. If you want to be like real, 10 homers, 15 stolen bases is kind of okay. a low. You're going to kick yourself for drafting him in the 70s or 60s or 80s if he does that. But we're, again, we're talking about the but fastest player baseball, in baseball.
0: You have to yeah. take your risks somewhere. This is where I'm taking my risk is yeah, right agree. here. It's outfields bad anyway. Uh, I think out there's more outfielders than there are other positions. So there's more likely other guys to pop up that can be good Uh, if you do have a failure in the outfield. So that is kind of it makes me feel more comfortable taking my risk in the outfield in general this year, a little worse just because of the depth of outfield. But in general, that is where I want to take my risk is in young outfield.
2: So yeah, I agree. uh
0: that that's what I'm doing with Corbin Carroll.
2: You want talk talk just about Adolis. You you really are in on Adolis this year. I got him a little bit lower, you got him a little bit higher. Projections are favorable because he's just he's done it for two seasons now. 2516 is the floor on the bat X. Uh batting average doesn't seem like it's going to be sustainable. No one believes it, but it's so much so I mean, it's that for four years. You, yeah, it was you 220 a, last
0: year, 240. We want to talk about this. Yeah. uh, it, Really what it was, was him doing it two years in a row. It, is doing it uh, over, you know, a ton of plate appearances here. It is uh, hit right around 250. Go 25-25. Hit in the middle of the lineup. Texas lineup is improving as well. So, uh, you know, I just like Adolis. I, I, power speed combo guys are hard to come by. And he is one of them. So, and this is actually what... Uh, th- this is what makes me mad is you have him lower. So I'm one spot lower on Teoscar than you are because we both love Teoscar. So, but I have yes. Teoscar, uh, of course, uh, or I have a ahead of Teoscar and Corbin Carroll. So I'm more Tay likely to buy is those guys.
2: Volatile because like we talked about before, yeah, you know, huge hard hit stuff, swing and miss. Doesn't walk a ton. I don't like the increase in the uh, strikeout rate year over year. It went from 24.9 to 28.4. Batting average sunk a little bit. But I think what that did was that showed you more of the median of, of who he was. He was 30, 32 and 12 in 2021 with 116 RBI, which is absurd. He floored out a little bit, but he was still 25 homers, six stolen bases, 70, 71, 77 with a 267 average. And a lot of projections of so the batting average is down, have counting stats up
0: he came back too fast last year. He was rushed back and he had a terrible first month coming off of his injury and then he got going. So that is why yeah. I still like, this is all with that terrible month coming off the injury. Uh, if he comes in so fresh and so clean, the Welsh, I am super excited about Tay Oscar. So yeah.
2: And I, I, I want
0: thought... to buy out of this section. This is where, I, I mean, obviously these are top well, 20 outfielders, sure. but, but I, I want to get at least two of these guys in here.
2: Uh, Tayoscar. Oscar, was top 4% in exit velocity top 6% in max. His X slug was top 5% in the league. His hard hit was top 2% in the league. These are things I want to bank on uh, when I'm, you know, putting guys like this together. And also a lot of people went into like ballpark context and blah, blah, blah. But I, be- I've talked about this a couple of times. I believe it was when you, you know, I'll have to go look at it right now. Cause I'm on baseball savant. So all games played in Toronto, his home run total was 28. All games played in Seattle, 31. So people are using Seattle as like, well, hitting no, three more homers expected if you're just him. hitting in all yeah. Seattle and you're still hitting on the road. It's actually a pretty solid thing and a pretty great lineup. Guy who just absolutely murders the ball. I'm not against a 3010 season. I just want to buy on it, and I'm taking Tay Oscar. Here's an interesting thing, though. Um, Teoscar has uh, Let me see. In the games played, he's in pretty decent on games played. He's actually never played 150 in his year. There's something to me that Teoscar's a little bit volatile in his ball, ball to bat skill or bat to ball skills. We and he and you take Eloy in here as well. Eloy is another huge bounce back candidate for many many people. Batting average in the 260s, but 25 homers plus. He just doesn't play a lot of games. It's wild. He has never played more than 122 games. And every projection system has him over 136 <laughs> or more. And we should probably be
0: talking about that more than Buxton and, and the other guys. Well, but yeah, that's
2: where I was going with this. That's an injury risk. Is I agree with you that I want to I want to uh, shop from this territory, but. There are quite a few players. I don't know if they mix well. Like, are you super comfortable with Teoscar? You're super comfortable with Teoscar and Eloy. Would you take Buxton if you took Eloy? Corbin Carroll is kind of uh, like taking for me. A, it's kind a of a one through group seventeen. Group
0: is hard. Really, Schwarber, I want two of those guys. Schwarber is kind of the end of of where I want these guys here. So, because um, I'm not saying Sh- I Tay don't Oscar, want 15. Them. Well, look, I, I don't. I don't know if I would buy Varsho at 18. I think I would wait. We talk about catchers, you know, uh, um, you know, and waiting on them. I'd rather take Sean Murphy than take Dalton Varsho where he's at. I think he's just a much, much a better one catcher. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. In a one. Yeah, for sure. In a one catcher league. Um, you know, I'm not really in on Springer. I am so sick of that guy. Okay. So games. let
2: me stop you there. I, and so I the- kind of
0: clump these guys, by the way, Welsh. I got Springer, Eloy, Marte, and Buxton all in the four of those five picks right there that's kind of a sandwich i don't want
2: see i know? actually want one of these guys because i think the upside is high but look at this range of player look at my range of players of risk real quick tay oscar a little bit of games played hard hit um i want to move up to 12 luis robert is 100 percent in this group of games played not living up to his potential eloy you talked about varsho adolis Marte, buxton springer i want one i'll I skip that I tier want two
0: I'll skip that tier and go down to Casty and Chris Bryant who are going later and I'll fill in ahead of that and then take a risk on one of those guys. But also, you know, if I've already have, if I already have Corbin Carroll, I'm, I'm probably waiting on someone like Taylor Ward, you know, that that is just much safer than, than that group because I already have my risk in Corbin Carroll. You know, I want to take risk at a couple spots, but I don't want to put it all in outfield. So, yeah, if I take Corbin, I'm probably, you know, taking a safer option like Taylor Ward for my third.
2: And that's like my draft strategy. I'm t- trying to tell everybody. It's yeah, like, I, lo- I like Tay Oscar. I like Eloy. I like Corbin Carroll. I can get down with Robert, even though I'm a spot lower bucks and I can get down with. But I'm not taking multiple. I probably am. There's a decent chance I have one of these guys. But like if I were to take a, a bets, I'm you know, I'm taking one, I'm not going to go Carolyn Eloy. Cause I'm worried about it. Cause I think there's too much inherent risk or, or Buxton. So that's just about, this. maybe a team construction type of thing. You know, the one guy that sees the constant in this and I didn't want to, uh, no, uh, I didn't want to be Ian dismissive Desmond? of, um, Ian Desmond. I don't want to be dismissive of Luis Robert if we want to talk about him, but Randy Rosarena, who we're actually one spot lower on both of us. We've got him at 11. We're He's one East spot Maris lower, but 10. we also
0: put, we also put Fernando, in the outfield and he doesn't qualify.
2: So, okay. So then we're we're really probably, yeah, we're right in line. And this is another one of those guys that has kind of continued two straight seasons of being 2020. He was a 2030 Homer stolen base guy last year. His average, though it has dipped all four years of his major league career. It's maintained in an okay spot. His strikeout rate though, has continuously dropped. He's getting runs. He's getting RBIs. He became more of a prominent RBI guy this past year. And with some contact hitters in front like Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena is really sneaky good. And I feel like he gets. I want him or
0: Adolis on all of my teams. I want him or Adolis on all of my teams because they're power speed guys that, you know, are an outfielder that you have to have anyway. So I've had plenty of spots where I wait and those guys are my first outfielder. Don't know if I feel like that's the best. Mix. I want to get one of these top 10 guys if I can, but it it can work out. So I I will that's actually what you
2: just brought up is interesting when you get when we get back to that draft strategy thing. There's definitely the potential based on how you draft that that the top 10 outfielders are not an option for you because you have to invest at least the top nine or like top 20 picks. Michael Harris, maybe a little bit further down. So if you feel the squeeze you might be looking at Robert and Eloy and Carol and Dalton Varsho, And I just think it's kind of risky to do that though. I would be willing with, with a Rosarena to pair one of those guys. Cause he he's almost kind of Machado in the above. second
0: round too. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that risk. So
2: yeah. And don't you feel more confident? Like I think Luis Robert, if, if all things are considered was completely healthy and was good to go. Luis Robert, would be much higher on this list for me. Of course. He would be, he would be way higher than Randy Rosarena, but you can't trust it because he's never played 100 games. He's right. always hurt in some capacity, even though he can be better as a player, that if he played the whole way through, I would take him over Randy Rosarena. But Randy is just a good floor, high upside guy that there's no way I would do that. And I don't think the ECR represents that, but Luis Roberts ECR is 11 and Rosarena is 10. And I kind of viewed them in a different tier.
0: Yeah, I'm. I, I'm absolutely with you. All
2: right, last one here is ten to one. Bogman at ten. I've got Michael Harris. You mentioned we have Tatis in here. This is where he will play. He still qualifies, I think, in most spots at that spot uh, at that position. Well, the ones that transfer over, yeah, yeah, transfer over. He had got that before. Uh, so I've got him at nine on this list. Mike Trout, Jordan Alvarez, Juan Soto at six, Mookie Betts at five, followed by Kyle Tucker. Julio Rodriguez at three, Aaron Judge at two, and Ronald Acuna at number
0: one. Uh, for me, I've got Michael Harris at 10, Fernando at nine, then Trout, Jordan Alvarez, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker, Aaron Judge, Julio, and Ronald Acuna.
2: We don't really have, I would, for a bit of a minute there, I was about to say Mookie Betts is our big difference. We really don't. Like, where we differ... Uh, I got Julio, Julio one over spot ahead Judge. Of Judge. Yeah. Yep. You, and you have Soto over bets, where I have bets over Soto. Those, those are literally our big difference here. It is the difference between I'll take bets over Soto um, and uh, you'll do the inverse and you'll take Julio over Judge right now. But this is like a huge tier. The problem I'm surprised is. surprised
0: with my injury. Averseness, which i feel yeah. like i've lowered but apparently not according
2: to and, and seven the of range. these guys are first round picks so it's like you yes. have to make that commitment if you're doing it funny enough too i have only one guy that i am higher on ecr than in this entire list and it's mookie Betts. and <laughs> you also do except with julio uh everybody else i'm in line with or i'm a little bit lower on juan soto jordan alvarez and michael harris apparently I've got uh, michael Betts harris one is- spot
0: ahead by the way still uh the what's I got Michael hair or Mookie Betts, excuse me, one spot ahead because I am at, at uh, yeah, I said six and he's at oh okay. I yeah, said and, you had Mookie Julio. Betts okay. and you
2: had Julio, where the two okay, that you okay. were higher on. The ones that you're lower on are Alvarez, which we both have at seven, and Aaron Judge because you just moved. I
0: was surprised three. that I was low on Alvarez because I don't think I've seen him go ahead of Betts in almost any draft that we do. So early, I was a little surprised on, I think he did. Uh, and, and he won't after this wrist stuff pops up like that will be correct. Uh he might even be lower uh than this. But um yeah I mean I feel pretty good about this. This is a good range. I mean what is what would you say the possibility of judge repeating
2: 60 homers is one in how many sixty homers? Oh boy. Because Um, if he hits
0: that he's the number one player again.
2: And it's not close. He is he is I would say I don't want to be crass about I I think it's like twenty percent I mean, I think it's
0: 20, 25%. So low, way less. So like, let's,
2: let's say it's 20% to hit 55 homers. I would say like, you know, 30% to hit Mm -hmm. 50 homers. I'd probably go to 40%. Sure. 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 Then to hit, you know, 45 homers. I think that's like 75%. And, you know, progressively going down, like, I think it's a really tall task, but the thing we've said over every single time you talk about him is you take 20% off of his production He's He's still still phenomenal. He's still stealing double digit bases. He's still hitting over 40 homers. The batting average seems pretty sustainable and he's going to have absurd run and RBI totals. That was the difference of why I put him over Julio. I don't like doing that. You know, I love Julio. I think there's a potential for some bat regression in Julio's game, but he's, he wants to run more. They want him to run more and he absolutely turns on and running might
0: be easier this year too. So
2: it might be, but also that's why like judge, stealing 16 bases last year and the base stealing being easier. If judge hits 45 homers and steals 10, steals 10 bases, I'll take that over like 25, 30 from Julio. I'll take yeah. the elite homer. If I get 50 homers from judge with 10 stolen bases to me, that's better than 25, 25 from Julio or 30, 20. I mean, it's close. It's I'm not saying it's not, but judge is going to win in runs RBIs homers probably going to win in batting average, by the way, four of five categories go to go to judge outside of stolen bases while he's still putting up maybe 35 to 40% of what uh, Julio does at stolen bases. That's why I'm going with judge. And that's why I have him over him.
0: And and it's like, I I don't, if anyone has judge at one, I do not blame you at all. I just, you know, Acuna is both of our number ones. He's your number one overall player. Like I said, I like Trey Turner uh, just in citizen bank and in in Philly. Uh, I, I like, him a lot there i think he could have more power so um you know uh, it, we're we're, de- we're definitely splitting hairs here if anybody wants to put judge at the top i do not blame you at all and like in points he's definitely number one our our uh underdog he scored like a thousand more points in the next player. something absurd oh, yeah. It was crazy yeah. what he did. I think it was like a hundred,
2: but yeah, it was it was some absurd, stupid number. than the next person, was, he, I mean, I he's the guy in points league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you might be right. Actually, I think you might be right. It's, it's that in there. Um, I don't like to be dismissive about these players and just like move past and not talk about them. But these are like first round guys. You know, they're all good. Your, yeah. Well, your, your pick position it was going to dictate a lot. Michael Harris. Uh, let's do Michael Harrison and Fernando Tatis though. Michael Harris is the one that you do have more options a lot of difficulty people have believing the repeatability hit 297 last year with a pretty high Babbitt 361 did not walk under 5% had a 24% strikeout rate which isn't the best but 19 homers in 20 games projections actually have him underperforming what he did last year but still like right in line over a full clip so it's like 30 more games Doing a tiny bit less. Bad X says 1719. AT says ATC says 1923, which is actually pretty good. And the batting average in the 270s. But I think people have a little bit of a hard time believing like the power is going to continue, the batting average is going to continue. I think that's where some of the struggle comes into play. And he's really, really costly, but he is one of those players that gets you the five tools. Like that's what you're looking for. But you know, when you hit 238 versus lefties and 323 versus righties, there's a little bit of like openness. Like, what if he regresses and he's a 290 hitter versus righties and he still kind of stinks versus lefties? Well, now you're going to be a pretty significantly worse hitter and hopefully he can make it up. But there's a great team there. He's going to hit high in the lineup and he did get better in the second half. Like, he hit yeah. 283 in the first half to 307 in the second half. So I just wanted to point all those things out about Michael Harris. I still really like him. This is about as high as I think you can go on him, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think where he is, is about perfect. You know, if you want to put him ahead of uh Tati's because of, you know, the steroids and the surgeries and all that. Okay. But other than that, you can't put him ahead of anybody else uh, on that list. Right. So um, that's kind of where I stand with him is, and I'm not putting him below a Rose and or Mullins. He's got to be ahead of those guys. I feel like, so the, that is, maybe, maybe he doesn't one. have to be, but, but that's where I'm going to stand firm. It is. Randy. is He's a 10.
2: Randy is close to me. And I will tell you, I've done this in a draft or two where I see Michael Harris and I pass to get Randy or Rosarena. Cause I think they are very similar players and Randy's just done it. That's fair. Bit. Yeah. You can so, take
0: a pitcher instead yeah. and then come back and get Randy. I'm all about that. I've done uh, that in a couple of spots too.
2: We're going to do the overall list and this is where it's going to come into play. But lastly, like um, Fernando Tatis is just like a fascinating case when I was out at Padres camp, I'm going to go back to Padres camp in the next couple of days. Now that they're really running everything and we'll see what we see. And obviously the games are, cause I believe he can play in the games and he can play in all the games and stuff. I think, but he right. immediately, he immediately went out into right field and that I thought was very telling as the infield was running their full thing. The full squad was out there and he is going to be in the outfield. He seems healthy. He actually did a, um, as healthy as can be. I haven't seen, I haven't watched physically watched him do a BP session yet. But he was doing uh, he was throwing and he was throwing from a distance and he was doing some sliding drills out in the outfield. Athletically, he looks as he normally does. The arm is going. He's out with the team. Those are all good things that you want to see, especially from a chemistry standpoint and stuff like that, though. I did not see Tatis and Machado uh, even talk to each other. That was just something. Well, didn't you say Machado's
0: being a jerk at camp this year?
2: uh, He's just salty. He's a lot more like last year boy, he was like Mr. Personality and just talking with people. We knew that was fake and smile. Yeah. This year he is, uh, he's a little bit more. Yeah. He's, I think he's just quieter and that has a lot to do with the, I mean, I also was there the day he opted out and announced it. Like if you see the interview, he's wearing this like wild, like yellow and pink outfit. And (laughs) I saw him in the cages and he came out of the cages and did that interview where he's just like, yeah, I've opted out. So, like, that might play a little bit of a part in it. I understand, but you know, Tatis, he's 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 a tough nut to crack here because he did not play at all last year. So we're looking at what he did in 2021, which we do know was a little bit juiced: 42 homers, 25 stolen bases. He's also got this lingering injury that's out there. Yet projections love him, and, and how could they not? That I don't know how they could not. 34 homers, 20 stolen bases from the Bat-X. Even in time, I believe he is eligible to come back April 20th. That will be the last day uh, where he will um, be on his suspension. So that's in 116 games on the Bat-X. It's 34 homers and 20 stolen bases. Just think about that for a minute. So that's why we're taking him where he is. He is the grand swing for the fences player in drafts, but he puts on a lot of risk. So we've talked about outfield actually has a lot of risk. That's also why I don't like the position so much. You got to be careful with these guys, especially if you were to take Fernando Tatis, even though you might consider him as a shortstop. I actually think because shortstop is so deep, people might take him and put him in the outfield. Just be careful who you pair him with. You know, he might miss time and you don't want to go and get, Louise Robert and Eloy and Buxton, you know, you might, there might be a point where you literally have no active outfielder.
0: I mean, you can't, and you love both these guys, but you can't have a team with Tatis and Buxton, right?
2: No, no, no. Okay. I mean, if you're, Well, you're sure. drinking. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're it's drinking, Dynasty Spoken, League or whatever.
0: Sure, you can, but I mean that that's a fun. that's a Ricky Bobby team, man. If
2: you're boys being boys, you just want to go out there and you just want to have some fun and you want to light the you want to light some money on fire, absolutely. <laughs> but but you're gonna have a grand time doing it. It's like gambling. It would be like going to the casino, being like, ah, I'm gonna win this. And it's like, nah, nah, nah. House always wins. The injuries always win. Like, you're not gonna come out, but you know a great time. You have a great time. Maybe you get a couple free drinks, might win a couple hands, but then you're gonna walk out and and pockets are going to be empty and you have to lie to your wife <laughs> no experience or anything like that <laughs> no experience at all doing that but uh, those are the outfield ranks who we got as much as we could talk about them you guys can find the ranks over at in this league.com and we will be doing starting pitchers next uh, episode because we're still doing episodes this week there's still a couple more <laughs>
1: more and then we're going to do
2: overall and that's where it'll be interesting just talking about how we pair these players out philosophy of who we're trying to get. And like Tatis, I think is one of the most interesting because it's like, where does he sit on an overall, where are you really comfortable taking him? And are you comfortable taking him over this player? or That player, he actually went in the tout wars draft in the draft and hold. He went before Devers went in the OBP league and, you know, Devers is not the best OBP guy and everything like that. But, um, Tati Tati is a lot better 360 plus career OBP, but he's going to miss time and he's obviously going to have stolen bases, but he was like a no doubt pick in tout wars over Devers. And that's the dicey stuff we're going to get to. And you and I will talk. Yeah, about I mean,
0: you got to take extra risk in, in industry leagues though. So I kind of get that same thing. Yeah, with I'm, that I have FBC. the safest
2: team on the planet on that one right now. I'm <laughs> Does actually it make you right feel
0: now. weird. And when that you have the safest team,
2: it does. Yeah. It makes me yeah. like I'm doing something wrong. Actually, if I'm being honest, like oh, this is really boring. Let's, and then I'm like, ah, right, let's spice it up. And then I take Buxton and then I lose. And it's all, <laughs> then I take Jacob Degrom and tout wars and I don't win for the first six weeks, but then I win the last 11 and then it just, you know, I, I get all hot and bothered or whatever. So, uh, Patreon and this league.com come and sign up about a week or a little over a week. We'll have the updates. It's a short month in February. Hopefully you guys stick around for March. We'll have listener league stuff coming up soon. I don't know what else we'll have going on. You can have access to us and just know that you're supporting us. We really appreciate you guys to do that. Also check out our sponsor of the episode, fan slash in this league. Hell week moves on starting pitchers. Overall, we got you back. Uh, I've got some really crazy stuff I'm doing. You guys obviously can catch me on Rates and Barrels this week. Fantasy Pros, we have some awesome episodes. I was on a very early episode with CBS, and some, and we dropped a new Prospect One. So listen to that, and I've got a bunch of other cool stuff. And lastly, I am a part of the Baseball America Fantasy Summit on Saturday, if you would like to check that out. I'm only going to talk about it here, but uh, the Fantasy Summit is being live-streamed on Baseball America's website. So if you're listening to this later, I don't know if it's like still available, but I'm the very first panel. So one 15 Eastern with Chris blessing and Eric cross talking about dynasty sleepers on Saturday, February 25th. If you guys want to check, check it out. out, check it out, baby. All right. That's it. Um, By the way, I'm going to go see Oscar Colas and uh, Jackson. Yeah. No big deal. A couple outfielders in there. We'll talk about that later. Boggs, let's get out of here. We're getting loopy. All Maybe right. You want to get the hell out of here. Do you have to pee a little bit? Yeah. Well, oh, let's do like 10 more minutes then. Always, usually. I mean, okay. you <laughs> want to watch
0: a man pee. No, and no, I no. Mean, I that's on you. So. <laughs> no,
2: no, 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 no. You All right, like, well, then let's go. Earlier. I'm good. All right, we're going to get out of here. Bogman we're Welsh. Is it the Welsh? Gosh. Bogman Sports. Goodbye. We're leaving.
1: See it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?